Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, October the 24th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, no game on Sunday, so we have an extra podcast for you this week. The preview episode will be out Sunday night. But today we're talking about a handful of miscellaneous topics, including positional prototypes for Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea. We'll put together a new, different Dolphins mock draft for 2020, discuss some under-the-radar Dolphins players on the roster, and I finally came up with my own plan B for Tua, and finally, we're going to talk about the New York Jets, all of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter, it's at WingfieldNFL, you can follow the show at LockedOnFins, we'll follow you back, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily written Dolphins content up on the website. we got a busy show, let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we're going to do something we don't do here on the show and talk about somebody else besides the Miami Dolphins. We're talking about the New York Jets. And you guys remember when I said back in pretty much the entire offseason that the Dolphins and Jets were right around the same level talent-wise? Well, that was before Miami purged, and I actually thought the Dolphins might win four or five games behind Brian Fitzpatrick, but now here we are six weeks into the season, seven weeks into the season, and the Jets have plummeted essentially to the same level as these Dolphins. The only difference being a pair of two-point conversions. Dallas couldn't convert theirs against the Jets. Miami couldn't convert theirs against Washington. Instead of wasting this rebuild season with Adam Gase, the Dolphins hired a disciplinarian with the same core principles as the greatest dynasty in professional sports. No guarantee for a duplication of success, but it's probably the best model that you can follow. And you go over to the Jets, not only did they completely stunt and damper their young quarterback, who they spent multiple second round picks and a first round pick to go up and go ahead and trade for, they wasted the first year and plenty of the budget available to Joe Douglas, who really, unanimously across all scouting circles, was the only really good thing the Jets actually did this offseason. Besides, I suppose, Jamison Crowder contract. But then again, they also signed Quincy Anunwa, who is the exact same player. So it's hard to give that one too much credit. They made a bunch of bandage moves on the offensive line. Does that sound familiar? They have an underwhelming group of receivers from which Gase has no idea how to properly utilize their skill sets and instead constantly throws the football short of the sticks and underneath the coverage. Does that sound familiar? He's got a defensive coordinator who's completely lost. Sound familiar? He has a quarterback that's not seeing the field. Familiar? And the last point is where we end the Jets hate for right now. People are on Sam Darnold about that quote or that clip where he talked about seeing ghosts. That's on Adam Gaze because he's the one, if, if Sam Darnold's not seeing it, then neither is Adam Gaze and it's his job to make those adjustments in game. But as we know, we know what he does on the sidelines during the game. He's over there playing tic-tac-toe or crossword puzzles on the bench. If you believe that Josh Rosen can have his growth stunted by two horrible situations, and for someone that never really believed in Josh Rosen's skill set to begin with, I will admit these are the two worst circumstances a young quarterback could have come into, but for Sam Darnold, he's not exactly exonerated of poor circumstances around him. The Jets fans hated their play calling last year, and now they've got Adam Gase in the way. 
They're one and five. It's a total disaster. And I would not want to be a fan of that team. And then you've got Miami, who, by the way, if you didn't know this, part of the reason Steven Ross loved Brian Flores so much was because of the staff he put together. That part we did know, but a part I'm betting you didn't know is that part of this impressive staff that he assembled was Chad O'Shea, Dolphins' current offensive coordinator. And a big part of his own personal selling point for that staff with O'Shea was the offensive concepts that favor a certain Alabama quarterback. Just think of it this way. Think about all the Dolphins alumni or friends of Stephen Ross that have come out on Twitter or otherwise and praised his vision and how this team is going to bounce back on the other side saying something like, trust me, it's going to all work out. It's because it's an intricate, deeply layered plan that has the most forethought of any football operation that I've seen in recent years. And we go back to that Rich Eisen comment. You all recall that, right? That when he was at the 2018 draft in Dallas, that he heard that Miami were already enamored by Tua Tungavailoa after that national championship game, his first really big appearance in college football. And they were. So why not hire the offensive coordinator who is the best fit for that skill set? I repeat, the Chad O'Shea offense is perfect for Tua. Absolutely perfect. And that's not by accident. Daniel Jeremiah talked about teams taking this new two-year scope type of approach. That's what Miami did this year. You view the draft as a two-year process. You view free agency as a two-year process. You view your own roster as a two-year process. And that's what other teams are failing to do. I know it sounds funny to cast shade as a fan of the worst team in football right now, but seriously, I look around other teams around the league and I think to myself, those poor bastards. I am as excited about Miami's future as I have been in a while, and you just cannot say that for the Jets, the Bengals, Washington, Denver, the Giants, Atlanta, Tampa, all these teams that have the wrong coaches currently in charge with quarterback situations that are up in the air at this moment. And so with the plan all about building around the specific quarterback, you guys heard me mention the right type of team to build two around in a podcast last week, a team that can run teams out of man coverage with pure speed and then let Tua and his perfect timing and accuracy rip up zone coverages and one more note I made on Tua this week and there's going to be a bunch of these going forward is that really he's functioned in three different styles of offense but the best one has been this season when it's that short intermediate rhythm style passing attack that relies on tempo and timing and accuracy that's 2019 you go back to 2018 it was a relentless vertical attack on defenses and led to that explosive Alabama offense but then you go back to 2017 when he took over in that national championship game he had 12 runs in that second half of that game alone, most of those on design zone read looks, RPO type of looks, taking over for Jalen Hurts' offense. So this guy can play in any offense, but the best one is the one he's in right now, and it's the one that's most closely translatable to the one that Chad O'Shea runs with the Miami Dolphins. It's why I like Emmanuel Sanders to get signed here if he doesn't get a new deal with the Niners. I think he's perfect for the scheme. And then one more player that I think benefits the most from this idea of having speed to force teams out of man coverage, and we'll get to my mock draft here in just a minute, which features a speed receiver. It's why I think that Jakeem Grant could maybe resurrect his career his career rather, in this new style of Dolphins offense. Lots of teams these days are throwing combination coverage. It's becoming more and more frequent, and so is man coverage, and speed is the best way to expose that man coverage. Multiple burners on the field can create one-on-one opportunities on vertical routes throughout the game, and then in combination coverage, the boundary, the short side of the field, often has to play man. Speed also removes the underneath coverage, especially if you're forced to bracket someone like Tyreek Hill down the field. Then you get one-on-ones underneath in zone coverage, which you just cannot cover. 
And while we're on the topic of speed, let's go ahead and talk about adding some of that in the mock draft here in just a little bit. But first, how about getting in shape even faster? Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout from the convenience of your own home. Go to OnePeloton.com, use promo code LOCKED to get started. It's no mystery how this particular podcast host prefers the way his quarterback moves. He wears crimson. He plays in the SEC. He wears number 13. We all know that by now. And everybody seems to have the same question for me these days. What's your backup plan? Who do you want beyond Tua Tungavailoa if the Dolphins can't make that happen? Let's go ahead and start here with the other rookies. And I think it's more about the fact that I just don't love this class besides Tua. I'm really not that big on the rest of the guys in this group. I don't think that there are multiple franchise-changing quarterbacks available this year. Jake Fromm would still be my next pick, and I still like Jordan Love's tools, although I think he probably should go back to school for another year and get another year of continuity with that offense, with that skill set. It's just been a bad year for him at Utah State. But still, remember that this guy is a supremely talented passer who, if he gets the right coaching, he'll have a good pro career. But with that, I prefer next year's class. I just prefer the quarterbacks available in 2021 if they all come out. And that starts, of course, with Trevor Lawrence. I think that one is the most obvious pick of all time. He is pretty much picture perfect from a quarterback standpoint. Having struggles this year, but I think he'll get out of that. He's still a great quarterback and an even better prospect. He's going to go first in the draft next year. I have very little doubt about that. But the guy that I think might be a more realistic option for the Dolphins in the case they don't get the guy this year and they have to trade up next year maybe to number two is Justin Fields because if Lawrence goes first and that pick's not for sale, maybe Miami can get their way into the top of the draft. And I watched Justin Fields play and there's a hint of Lamar Jackson. Now, he's not the same elusive runner. He does get some big time yardage in the running game and more like a Cam Newton style of runner. But you go back to Lamar on Sunday in Seattle, he had five runs of 10 yards or more, and four of those were on scramble plays. He went for 28, 17, 14, 12, and 10. Those are just demoralizing runs to a defense. You get them stopped on first and second down, you cover them up, you get a good pass rush, quarterback slips out, gains 12 yards, moves the sticks on third and long. That's the best way to demoralize a defense. Lamar Jackson did it on Sunday. Justin Fields, I think, can do that and give you an actual polished passer at the next level. I think very highly of Justin Fields. I actually don't think it's crazy to say that Fields could supplant Lawrence as QB1 next year. If things stay the way they have been this season, then he will. Like That's going to happen if things don't change. But what about some of the veteran options out there? Because that's really where the contingency plan this year lies. I don't think Miami gets anybody else besides Tua, maybe Jake Fromm, but I still think that's the goal. And if you don't do that, if you can't get that first pick, I think you have to go into March before the draft and start exploring some of these possible veteran acquisitions at the quarterback position. And we all start with Cam Newton in Carolina. I'm just going to say no to Cam because although I've been a big fan of him throughout his entire career, and I think he was kind of unfairly talked poorly about for a couple of years there while he was going through the shoulder surgery and all the injuries, 
but the fact remains he is compiling all these injuries and now the style of his game has changed. The biggest reason I loved Cam Newton was because of the advantage he gave you down in the red zone with his running prowess because you get an extra blocker in the running game when the quarterback can keep the ball and he was so hard to get to the ground and so physical as a runner that it really just made you tough to defend in the red zone. I loved Cam for that reason. But he's not really that guy anymore, so I think I would pass on Cam Newton because of the injuries. He's playing a little more gun-shy. He's being asked to play more quarterback. That's not his game. I would stay away from Cam Newton. But one guy I would be interested in is a guy in his division who I don't think he'll be available. But if Matt Ryan becomes available and we can't get to a tongue of Iloa, why not correct the mistake from 2008 and go back and get the quarterback that Miami should have had all along? He'll be 35 next year, so he's getting older, but man, he can still play. He is behind an offensive line that might be worse than Miami's right now. They are playing terribly out in Atlanta. Now he has an ankle injury. We'll see how long he's out, but would the Falcons deal him? He's got a big contract. We all know the big salaries there, but they might be firing Dan Quinn. That's pretty much a given. They might be firing Thomas Dimitrov. Maybe a new regime comes in there and wants their own quarterback, and Matt Ryan could execute the hell out of this Chad O'Shea offense. Just an idea if we have to go to a fallback plan, and it would require a first-round draft pick for sure, but I would part with that to get a quarterback like Matt Ryan. And then lastly, I got to say it. I want to hear from you guys on Twitter. What about Tom Brady? What if he leaves New England? Would you be willing to sign Tom Brady to come play with Chad O'Shea and Brian Flores? Think about that. Think about the success you could probably have with him. Would it be worth it to you as a Dolphins fan after 17 years or 18 years, whatever it's been, of him torturing you? Would you be okay with that? I want to hear from you guys if you would accept Tom Brady on this team next year after he leaves New England at age 42. Is that something you'd be interested in? We heard Adam Schefter on ESPN talk about how Tom put his house up for sale, how his trainer put his house up for sale. He has the one-year contract, or I guess the out after the one year in the contract. A lot of speculation about him leaving. If he wanted to come to Miami, would you take him? I would have a hard time with it. But I do think I would say yes, given the right circumstances. Like, for instance, if they don't get the first pick, if they can't acquire Matt Ryan and they can't get a quarterback who's better than Tom Brady. That's really what it comes down to, get the best players. And with that, speaking of acquiring the best players, there is a certain prototype the Dolphins will require on their team on both sides of the football, on the offense and defense. Now, I have an article up on LockedOnDolphins.com from the Combine talking about the prototypes on defense with the measurements and the speed and the build of these certain players. You look at the defensive line, for instance, the Patriots model. It's a bunch of guys that are large, have not so impressive 40-yard or explosive combine measurements in terms of the way they run or the way they move and how high they can jump, how far they can jump. It's more about length and sturdiness and size and bulk as you look at guys like Malcolm Brown and Lawrence Guy and Danny Shelton and Adam Butler. All of those guys in the five-second, 40-yard dash time, not the most impressive three cones, but they all have longer arms. They all have size and build to hold the point of attack defensive ends on that defense it's the same thing Adrian Claiborne was a 4.840 yard dash Trey Flowers was a 4.9 Derek Rivers and John Simon were both in four sixes Dietrich Wise is 4.9 so you see where the success comes from in the scheme and not necessarily guys that have explosive get-offs and can get one-on-one situations as pass rushers and just blow by people. It's not Cam Wake, it's not Robert Quinn, and it's why I didn't think Chase Young, or I don't think, rather, that Chase Young's an option. It's why A.J. Epinesa, who's built like these guys, like Flowers, like Claiborne, like Wise, those are the guys we look at in this defense. At linebacker, 
Again, size and length is more important here. Donta Hightower, 260 pounds, only a 4.6840. Kyle Van Noy ran a 4.7140. He goes 250. These guys are long and they can jump. They're more explosive at that position. But the 40-yard dash time, the straight speed, is just not important in the front seven of this defense. Now, in the back seven, at cornerback, you have to be able to run. Stephon Gilmore, 4-4. J.C. Jackson, 4-4-6. Cyrus Jones, 4-3-3. Jason McCourty, 4-3. Duke Dawson, 4-4-6. All those guys can run, and they're three-cone times. My goodness, their three-cone times are good. Stephon Gilmore had a 6.61. That's absurd. J.C. Jackson's was a sub-seven as well. So was Jason McCourty's. So you have to be quick. You have to be fast. You have to be able to transition laterally and going backwards and coming forward. You have to have good movement skills and ball tracking and tackling. And again, in the secondary, in addition to running fast, all these guys jumped ridiculous verticals and broad jumps. And the same is true at safety. Not the fastest safety groups. You got 4-5 for Patrick Chung, 4-5 for Deron Harmon, 4-4-8 for Devin McCourty. But the verticals and broad jumps, 36 vert, 126 broad, explosiveness in the lower half, able to drive on footballs, lateral agility, versatility, ability to come down and cover in the slot out wide, play the safety zone role, whatever it is. Those are your defensive measurements. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, at running back, it's really more about what you can do from a mental aspect. How can you read holes? What's your vision like? How diverse are you across multiple schemes? Can you find the right fit and jam it up in there? And can you catch the football? So far, Mark Walton has been the best in the first category of that. Kenyon Drake was best as a pass catcher. They're going to have to find someone that can do both those things to really maximize this offense. On the offensive line, at the tackle positions, they want guys that are long. Every single person they signed this offseason to tackle had long arms. They were tall, like six foot six, six foot seven guys. They want length and strength and athleticism on the tackle edges. On the inside, it's all about consecutive starts and competitiveness and toughness. They want guys that are going to play like Shaq Mason, like Joe Tooney, like Ted Karras. All those interior offensive linemen for the Patriots are almost always available. Now, right now, their center's out for the year with blood clots, but I mean, come on. They have guys that are versatile and can play through injuries and pain. That's the offensive line technique. And then at receiver, it's basically just guys that can uncover quickly, guys that know the route tree, can process and know how to set their routes up and chase blind spots. Blind spots. If they want their quarterback to be smart, they're going to want the receivers to be smart too. So those are the prototypes on defense. Not very much explosion in the front seven, more about size and strength in the back seven, all about explosion and speed on offense, intellect, smart, vision, size, competitiveness, toughness, all that fun stuff. Those are the hallmarks of a Brian Flores football team, hopefully now of a Chris Greer football team going forward. And that information should help you if you want to put some money when you're in Vegas on the draft as you pick which players the Dolphins will target, try to figure out where they go. And if you want to put money on some games this weekend, you guys got to check out my bookie. As a true football fan, you already know just as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in every game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sideline and get in the game with my bookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every single weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook 
on the planet. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will multiply and be huge. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. Best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put a thousand bucks in, they'll give you a thousand bucks. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your cash today. Visit MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. segment on today's podcast the Thursday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast we have a bonus episode this week as the game is on Monday night Sunday night we'll come back with you for a preview edition of Dolphins and Steelers we'll update the weekend that was in college football as well as on the NFL slate for how Miami stacks up against teams trying to tank for that first pick also and of course update Miami's FPI percentage for that first pick in the draft all of that coming later this week on Sunday night before the primetime game we'll have that for you guys here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast tomorrow we'll have the mailbag edition the Friday podcast but today we're talking more about the future we'll get to a mock draft here in just one moment but I want to start here with a thread I put on Twitter talking about some of the unknown or the forgotten players on this Dolphins roster. And we're talking about guys on injured reserve coming off the PUP or players on the practice squad that could have a future here in Miami as the Dolphins continue to evaluate this season. And to be perfectly frank, one of the producers or one of the uh, audio engineers of Locked On Podcast Network sent me an email with some critiques about the show and telling me how to get better. And one of the things he said was that He can't believe how much enthusiasm I'm able to put through on this show given the way the Dolphins are playing this year. And to me, it's simple. I I love the preseason for the Dolphins, not for anybody else. I love evaluating and scouting preseason games. And to me, this is the same way because one, I don't have the emotional attachment to worry about wins and losses. I mean, let's be real. I want them to lose so I can get Tua. But... I don't worry about the outcome of games and I can just enjoy them from a football standpoint. And that's why I'm so even keel on Sundays this year, just providing those videos for you guys, showing you what happened on the plays without emotional attachment. It's great. I love it. But I will say I only will love it for one year. I want to get back to competing next year. But this year, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying the process. And part of that is evaluating guys that maybe don't that maybe aren't known across the league as potential long-term fits. And we start with the obvious one. It's Cordrea Tankersley, drafted in the third round out of Clemson a couple years ago. A very talented man-to-man cover corner. I thought he struggled with will and tackling and playing zone coverage, things that you have to do in this defense. Had that big rookie season, fell off the face of the earth in 2018, then tore an ACL, the worst year of his life, I'm sure. He's a schematic fit in this defense, but as far as the prototype, I'm not too sure. And frankly, he's probably running short on time, so he's going to have to make it happen this year. Another guy off PUP, an off-season acquisition, or I should say a late in-season acquisition, Robert Kimdiche has the highest pedigree of all the guys on this list. He is massive, heavy-handed, versatile. He can play inside, outside. He can rush the passer, play the run. He fits what they want to do from a prototype and schematically, but conditioning was an issue last we heard. I think Kimdiche has a chance to be part of this rotation if he can just get on the damn field. 
Next, at linebacker, a guy that I'm very excited about, Andrew Van Ginkle, was having a hell of a camp and preseason. I contend that he's the best coverage backer on this roster with a real instinct for route combinations, how to pass off in zone coverage, and find guys in man coverage. He also adds some juice as a blitzer, a potential sub-package extraordinaire. Jonathan Ledbetter has been completely forgotten about. He earned a starting job from lowly UDFA all the way into D end one status. And it's not just because the defensive line depth was lacking. It was, but he earned it. Heavy hands, good against the run, occasional pass rush wins. He's part of the future and the rotation. Terrell Hanks, I thought, belonged on the opening day roster. He falls out of the draft because of poor workout numbers at the Combine and his pro day. But I think that when he can flat out fly like he does and hit people like he does, he has a spot on this roster. Whether it's at linebacker or special teams, I think he'll get called up sometime this year and make an impact. Montre Hardage was a cornerback convert to safety. He's a little bit thin and slight. A cornerback at Northwestern, all Big Ten corner, but he moved to safety in camp. He's smart, competitive, has versatility, and he's a very, very nice young man. I talked to him at camp, and it was a delight to talk to Montre Hardage. Last, Gerald Willis, another Miami product, could get some work at defensive tackle down the stretch this year. He's kind of a feast or famine type of player, and the only way I think he'll develop consistency is if he improves his get-off and pad level. So Gerald Willis, Montre Hardage, Terrell Hanks, Jonathan Ledbetter, Andrew Van Ginkle, Robert Kim Dice, and Cordrea Tankersley are football version of the September call-up, if you will, to keep an eye on those guys and give you a reason to watch football in December this year for your Miami Dolphins. But the reason we're all watching this season with anticipation and hope is because of the draft next April, and that's where we'll finish up things today with the mock draft. We have multiple picks to get to. I made a first round trade back, so I have three first round picks, three second round picks, and I made the first pick in the third round. We'll see about Jawan James's compensatory pick, but I added one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players here in this draft. Not really thinking about the free agent acquisitions. I'm sure we'll have some on the offensive line to pair with this because I'm sure you guys that want offensive line, offensive line, offensive line will not love this draft, but here's what I did. My first pick, I went with Tua. Such a tough decision at the top of the draft, picking first overall. And then with the Steelers pick, I have Miami trading out and finding an additional second round pick and going back just a few slots in the first round. And with that trade back, I'm going after Clemson safety slash linebacker, Isaiah Simmons, the length to clog up passing lanes. He can rush the passer. He does everything in modern day football, an ideal safety, a Derwin James type of safety. And then with the Texans pick, I'm going to fortify the front line and defensive pass rush with Calevon Chason from LSU. This guy is a freak. Good athleticism, long arms, can play the run, gets after the quarterback, a good fit for the scheme. Bring him down to Miami in the first round. So you have your safety, your pass rusher, and your quarterback, three premier positions that can move all over the field and play almost every snap for you. And then we come back at the top of day number two and take Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. There's your speed threat. Complete the receiver core of Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, and Devontae Parker, and maybe Emmanuel Sanders or some other free agent acquisition. Go back to Henry Ruggs and that chemistry with Tua inherently built in. In the second round, the additional pick I got in the trade back I'm taking TCU right tackle Lucas Nyang. He fits that prototype we talked about earlier in the show, the length, the strength, athleticism. He'll be a possible starting right tackle for you in the future. And now the Dolphins take advantage of an injury in college football this year from Virginia. Cornerback Bryce Hall, who might still go in the first round because he broke an ankle, but I think he has a chance to maybe fall in the draft. And if he does, he is the ideal cornerback for this defense. And because of the injury, 
Maybe you can get him later. And then at the top of round three, J.K. Dobbins running back out of Ohio State to be your starter and go basically pair with Mark Walton and have a good one-two punch there. So Tua, trade back, Isaiah Simmons, Caleb on Chason, Henry Ruggs, Lucas Nyong, Bryce Hall, and J.K. Dobbins. You put together a draft like that, and I promise nobody's going to care about Charles Harris anymore. And as for today's show, you don't have to care about it anymore because that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday night. Root for Washington in the game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with a mailbag edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.